You believe that? Man, it's a good night at the rock, all right? The Lord is here. We have nothing to fear because when we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, he is with us. He is with us, so remember that. Hey, you can go ahead and have a seat, and I want to just take this opportunity and welcome you, welcome our online crowd, our on-demand crowd, our J. Rubin crowd, that we are so thankful that you are with us today, and, and thankful that, that those of you in Conway, that, that you're here as well, all right? And, and it's Thursday night, I'll just say this, it is happy hour at The Rock, okay? And... Uh, Man, I, I got to, before I even start preaching, I, I got I to talk just a little bit about, about Thursday night and happy hour at the Rock, all right? And some of you are brand new with us, and if you're brand new, definitely get connected. And it, we call it happy hour because, well, it's happy, right? Like, we got the joy of the Lord, even when we go to the valley of the darkness, right? But no, seriously, it's like six years ago when we kind of got into this building, we had our first Thursday night service. We said, hey, we're just going to call it happy hour because everybody's awake and it's a good time. And I can tell you over the six or so years that we've been doing Thursday nights, there's just something special about Thursday nights. There really is. That, that God has a way of showing up and showing off and, and, and doing work that, that, that it just like it just happens. And, and so forever, I have loved Thursday nights. Now, I'll be honest with you. I, I sat back with the staff um, back in August. We were going through that prayer series. And I said, guys, we need to pray for Thursday nights. Like, like it just seems like the last few months or the, the Thursday night attendance was down a little bit and kind of a little bit of our energy was down a little bit. And, and I don't mean the Spirit wasn't here. The Holy Spirit, He is always here. It's really whether or not we're, like, recognizing the Spirit, okay? So, so we need to make sure we understand that. But it was one of those things I said, hey, it's great, but I think our Thursday nights can be better. Like, I think we need to be praying about that. So we started praying. And I can personally say, as somebody who's here every Thursday night, God has shown up, right? Like, like I really believe he's answered some prayers. I've seen our attendance numbers. Uh, I've seen what he's been doing, uh, the, the things that, that I know are flowing out of this service to our other services and other campuses. Um, so, so I'm just thrilled about in how, how God has been working and everything that's happening. I love it. Now, with that in mind, I've got to say, hey, we got to make two changes with Thursday nights. So I need you to be prepared for this. Thanksgiving is in two weeks, which I know sounds crazy, but in two weeks on that Thursday night, we're not going to be doing service here in the building, all right? Because everybody is going to be asleep from turkey coma, all right? So, so just kind of know that Thursday night, we're not going to do service. For those of you who have been part of The Rock forever, like you'll be like, oh, well, we do it on Wednesday night. Actually, not this year. We're changing it up a little bit. We're actually going to do an online Thanksgiving family experience that is going to roll on the hour, every hour, all through the day. So, so we want to make it where it's not just those who come on Thursday, but this will help our South Strand campus, our Ainer campus, our online campus, where anytime on Thursday they can participate, all right? So I want you to know that, and I want you to be planning on that. There'll be some Kids Rock um, activities that'll kind of go along with it. So that's happening. In addition to that, the following Thursday night, we're not meeting in the building either. 
So it's like crazy. I sit here and say, I love the fact this is happening. But then for two Thursday nights in a row, we won't meet in the building. The reason we won't the following week, which is November 30th, is that is the annual Conway Christmas tree lighting uh, down, downtown. And we've, we've always done Thursday night, but like about half of our, our crew is down there. We got kids performing and things. Our kids ministry has gone down there. So, so I got with the uh, like promoters of the event and I said, hey, is anything going on at the terrace? And they said, no. I said, can we rent it as our church and do a church service right after the Christmas tree lighting? And they said, yeah. Okay. So, so yeah, so it's going to be incredible. I would just want you to know. You like that idea? All right, Derek. Um, it's going to be an incredible night, so you just need to know we won't meet in the building. Instead, the Christmas tree lighting, I don't know the exact time. It's around 5.30 or 6, somewhere around there. At 6.30 on the terrace, which is just a little t- area downtown, um, we're going to pack it out. We're going to have happy hour at the Rock downtown, okay? Now, we need your help with that. We need you to be there. And one of the reasons I need you to be there is if the community that's all down there, they need to hear this crowd worshiping the Lord, right? And they need to join in. They need to join in with it. So, so I just want you to be prepared for that. We'll, you'll hear the same announcement next week, but we got to make sure our Thursday night crowd knows um, that that's happening. And then after that, we'll be back on our normal schedule for Thursday nights, all right? Now, let's dive into the message. Let me start by just asking you a question. Um, have you ever felt like throwing in the towel, right? Now, remember, we're being honest with God, honest with each other, and honest with ourselves. Have you ever felt like throwing in the towel? Yeah? You've been there? Like, like there's just times it's just like, man, I just want to throw in the towel. That, that, and I don't know where that original statement came from. I, I, I don't know what year it was. I don't know where it originated. Maybe me just even saying that by Sunday, I'll figure that out. But right now, I don't know where it originated. But there's always been this idea of you just throwing the towel. Now, the interesting thing in sports world... Throwing in the towel, that is definitely something in the boxing area, uh, ring, and, and people get that. But the towel is used for other things as well, right? Like there's sometimes like it's just like, oh man, that was a rough match, right? And I'm sweating, and I'm stressed, and, I, and, I'm, and I'm, I'm trying to, 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 to get it to where I can do it. So it's used that way. There's also one other way that the towel is used, right? I think it's like this. Are you with me? Any Gamecock fans out there? A couple Gamecock fans? No Gamecock fans. Oh, do I need to be doing this? I've missed this. Hold on. Okay, so um, that with that, this is an official cocky towel. Can I say that from stage? I hope so. Um, but it's an official Gamecock um, towel from last Saturday's game, which you won. Okay, so... Now, I kind of have to do this because last week I talked about Clemson on Sunday, so I feel like now i got to also give the Gamecocks some props. But, but I have been told there is nothing like Willie B at night. Like, like I haven't been to a, 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 a Carolina game yet. I'll go at some point. But I've been told, oh, when you go, you got to go at night. Because it's different. It's electric. I've heard that the stadium actually bounces when sandstorm gets played and the towels come out, right? Because what you're doing when you're waving that towel, you can wave this one. You can wear a Pittsburgh, wave a Pittsburgh terrible towel. You wave wave either one. 
What you're doing is saying, oh, we come to fight. See, sometimes we wave a towel saying, oh, I've come to fight. Sometimes we wave a towel going, oh, I'm in trouble. I surrender. And sometimes we take the towel and we just throw it in. And we're like, I'm done. And I think when it comes to the area of stress and burnout, which is what we're going to talk about today when it deals with mental health, I think that same analogy holds true. I think sometimes we're like, oh, I'm stressed, I'm anxious, that, 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 that it has hit my mind, the emotions hit, and it's like, oh, I got to fight, I got to fight. And then there's other times where the stress hits, and we're like, oh, I, I got to flight, <laughs> I got to flee. That actually comes from a medical reason, that, that maybe you know this, that there's part of our brain, it's called the amygdala. It's this little bitty kind of almond-shaped part of our brain that, that when you... That, that when you encounter something, when you come across something that invokes stress in your life, that, that it produces adrenaline. And when it produces adrenaline, what will happen is you will either have the adrenaline to fight or you'll have an adrenaline that causes you to flee, to flight. It's where the phrase fight or flight really came from. And for many of us, when we deal with stress because of our amygdala, because of how we're wired, because of trauma of the past, because of all those kinds of things, some of us will stand up and fight, and others of us will flee. I, I think about Elijah in this moment. Elijah is a guy we've been studying the past several weeks, and, and there was a, a point in Elijah's life where he was standing on the mountain. It was Mount Carmel, and why he was on Mount Carmel, that, that he was battling 850 false prophets. We talked about this a couple weeks ago, and while he was up there, he's like, oh, it's time to fight. I got my rally towel going, and I'm sure, I'm sure on that day after God ignited his offering with fire, I bet he was sitting back going, oh, let's go, boys. Because he was ready to fight. But it was a few days later when he found himself in the valley that he's like, oh, I, I need to throw in the towel. I surrender. I just want to throw in the towel. Because I'm done. We see it in his story. It's one little verse. It's, it's verse 4. It reads like this. It's 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 4. It's just real simple. It says, Elijah was afraid. And fled for his life. And this is what he said. He said, I've had enough, Lord. You, you see it right there. He says, I've had enough, Lord. Well, like, I want you to think about this. He was on a mountain, dealt with stress there. He fought through it. And now he's in the valley, and he's feeling stress. He's anxious. And he just says to the Lord, I've had enough. And I want you to think about that statement right there. When in your life have you grabbed a towel and just said, man, I've had enough. I just want to throw in the towel. Maybe the bill came, and you're like, another one? I've had enough. The notification came over your phone about a low balance, or you overdrew your checking account. I've had enough. That the school called one more time about your, your child, and you're like, I've had enough. That that the boss came in and gave you feedback about your job performance, I've had enough. That the, the boss came in and said, hey, I need you to change the way you're doing it. This is how you got to do it from now on. And you're, I've had enough. 
that, that you, you get into your marriage and, and, and the marriage isn't working the way you dreamed it would be working and you're just like, I'm stressed, I, I've had enough. That, that you're constantly dealing with your parents and what's going on in your, their life, you're like, I've had enough. You're on the team, and you keep trying to do what the coach is telling you to do, but you just can't seem to get it right. I've had enough. I've studied for that test over and over and over, but I just can't seem to pass it. I've had enough. Man, I started going to church. I was trying church, and then this happened to church. I've had enough. Or even with God. Like, like God, I tried to follow you, but God, you just not seem to be doing what I thought you'd be doing in my life. So I've had enough. Or maybe even as the song we were singing earlier, when the rain fell, I've had enough. When the floods came, I've had enough. When the winds blew, when the nights falls, when the heartache hits, when I stumble. Do you say, I've had enough? Or do you stand up and say, it's time to fight? And what I want us to do is learn from Elijah's story. When you have that feeling of stress or burnout, that rather than throwing in the towel, you start using the towel as a rally moment. And you start saying, hey, it's time to fight. It's time to fight. I'm not going to flee. I'm not going to run. I'm not going to freeze. No, I'm going to fight. See, that's what Elijah needed to remember. Why was it that he was crying out to the Lord saying he, he'd had enough? Why was he stressed out? Why was he burnt out? Well, one, because he had just run himself ragged. He had burned the candle on both ends. That, that we've heard about, if you've been here for this series, you've heard about this battle he had on the mountain and then going down in the valley. But, but you've got to think about even the things that led up to that. Over three years of a drought, over three years of, of warring with the king and queen, over three years of preaching to Israel and them not listening, over three years of, of doing different miracles, of being fed by ravens, of, uh, of taking care of widows, of doing all these things. And after three long years, he just wore himself out. And maybe that's where you're at, that, that you've been burning the candle on both ends. Because you're stressed about something, you're like, I got to deal with that, but then I got to deal with this. It might be work, parents, it might be your kids. You might have your kids involved in so many things that you're just like burning the candle. Good things even, right? Like it could be scouts, it could be dance, it could be, it could be karate, it could be uh, sporting events, all good things, but you got so many of them going, you're just like, man, I'm tired. Or maybe you're a student. And you got class, you're trying to work a part-time job, that you've got your friends, and, and you're, you're trying to stay connected to them, and, and each night you're like, oh, I don't have anything tonight, but then your friends start talking about, hey, we're going to hang out here, you're like, I want to go, and then you wake up in the morning, you're like, I'm not doing anything tonight, and then they call you later, you're like, ah, oh, I might as well go, and like, you're burning the candle at both ends, just like Elijah was. Or maybe it's not because you're just worn out, maybe it's just straight up fear. That, that Elijah had fear, and the fear was causing stress, and the stress lent itself towards burnout where he just said, I'm done. Maybe the fear is bullying your brain and your body. Craig Rochelle, he's a pastor in Oklahoma, he said it this way. He said, don't let your 
brain bully your body. All right? Don't, don't let your, your mental health bully your body. I love our student ministry. Our middle schoolers are meeting right now, and they're talking about bullies in the brain. That, that we've, got to, we've got to learn how to control the fear. We've got to learn how to control the negative self-talk. We've got to learn how to control things because we can't let them bully us. Maybe it's fear. Maybe it's you, you just burn it on both ends. Maybe it's that you're alone and you feel isolated. But whether, whatever it is, you feel like, man, I just want to throw in the towel. And that's where Elijah was. But God reminded him of something up on Mount Sinai. See, from the valley, he went back to Mount Sinai. We talked about this last week, so I'm just going to go through it real quick. But on top of the mountain, God showed up. God showed up, and he spoke to him. And he basically, through his display of power and through his whisper, he said, hey, I'm still here, and I'm in control. And then he spoke to Elijah, and he said, and you've got a job to do. And then he also said, and there's other people who have the job to do as well. That he said, listen, through the, through the wind, through the earthquake, through the fire, like I'm still in control. Through the whisper, I'm still in control. I am right here and I'm still in control. Don't forget that. And Elijah, you still have a job to do. You're not done. You matter and what you do matters. You've got a job to do. You need to go do it. And I've got 7,000 other people. That they have a job to do as well. I've got a, a new prophet that I need you to anoint. He's got a job to do. There's kings that I need you to install. They've got jobs to do. And I want you to see in just that little phrase how to handle stress and burnout. I don't know if you've caught it yet. So this is where I'm going to get real practical. Because again, I know we all deal with stressful situations. We all deal with, 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 with things that, that will kind of attack us, and we might stress in it. We might even go towards burnout. And I believe we'll, you can see in Elijah's story is this, that if you understand God will do his job, and I've got a job to do, and others have jobs to do, I can learn how to deal with stress. Or maybe a, even a clearer way that I can say it would be this, is that I have to believe when I'm stressed, when I'm struggling, when I'm thinking about throwing in the towel, I have to believe, I have to remember, and I have to believe God is faithful to do his part. He is. He is faithful to do his part. So I have a part to do, they have a part to do, and God has a part to do. And if we can just remember it that way, that when stress comes into my life, when I'm wanting to throw in the towel, pause and say, wait, what is my part? Just do my part. And what is their part? Let them do their part. And what is God's part? Let him do his part. I, I believe you can see that in the story of Elijah. I believe you can see it right there in, in Elijah and in what God was saying to him on the mountain. But I also believe you see it in the story of Moses. I want to tell you a story of Moses. We're going to kind of take a sidebar off to another guy from the Bible. His name's Moses, and Moses was a guy who led the Israelites out of Egypt. Now, we don't know the exact number that, that he led out of Egypt, but, but we see at different points in Scripture, it says 600,000 men who were able to be in the army. So if you can imagine 600,000 men, then there would have been women, there would have been kids. Uh, there, there, was, there was over a million people, well over a million people easily 
that were being led out of Egypt. And, and Moses was their leader. And when he got them out of Egypt, then, then they started setting up camp. And one day his father-in-law Jethro showed up. And Jethro watched what was happening. When, when, when the day would start, Moses would go sit down and people from ta- people, all the Israelites would come to him one by one going, hey, I need advice on what to do with this. I need, I need help trying to figure out what God wants me to do here. Uh, me and my neighbor are, are struggling with this issue. We're at war over this. What, what do you need us to do here, Moses? All right? And his father-in-law saw that, and, and this is what he said. It's Exodus chapter 18. It's verse 14. He said, what are you really accomplishing here? Why are you trying to do all of this alone while everyone stands around you from morning till evening? Moses replied, because the people come to me to get a ruling from God. This is not good, Moses' father-in-law exclaimed. You're going to wear yourself out and the people too. This job is too heavy a burden for you to handle by yourself. That... That what Moses' father-in-law says to him is, hey, listen, like, like what you're doing isn't going to work. Like what you're trying to accomplish right now, you're going to burn yourself out. And you're going to burn out the people as well. Meaning you're going to stress yourself out to the point where, where you want to throw in the towel. And you're going to stress the people out to a point where they're going to throw in the towel. So you got to do things different. And then what, what he says to Moses is basically what I'm saying right now is just do your part, Moses. And let others do their part and trust God to do his part. And if we get those things in order, then we can get rid of some stress in our life or at a minimum know how to deal with the stress in our life. We can also make it where we're not throwing in the towel. I want you to see it that that Jethro went on to tell Moses this. This is verse 19. He said, now listen to me. Let me give you some advice. And may God be with you. You should continue to be the people's representative before God, bringing their disputes to him. Teach them God's decrees and give them his instructions. Show them how to conduct their lives. Now, I want you to think about what he actually said. Because, like, when I first read into that story, I'm like, oh, he didn't change anything. No, he actually changed a lot. The first thing he did is he reminded Moses of what his job was. He said, Moses... It is your job to be a leader. So do your job. Like Elijah. God went to Elijah on the mountain. He said, Elijah, I've got a job for you to do. You are my prophet. You're the one who needs to go anoint these new kings. You're the one who needs to go and anoint another prophet. I've got a job for you. So go do your job. Jethro said to Moses, Moses, you have a job, and your job is to teach the Israelites to do what only you can do. And that's the first point I want you to catch. When it comes to stress and burnout, remember, you've got a job to do. And oftentimes, you have a job that only you can do. Like, I want you to think about this for a second. Like some of you in here are husbands. Some of you in here, some of you watching online are wives. Only you can be your spouse, the spouse to your spouse. 
Let, let me say it in, in first person because it'll make a little bit more sense. I'm the only person who can be the husband to Krista. I cannot give that responsibility up. I cannot delegate that responsibility to somebody else. I cannot empower something or someone else to do the job that God has given me to do, and that is to be the husband to my wife. I I can't let a book. I can't let a TV show. I can't let the internet. I I can't let some other dude. I'm the only one who can be the husband to Krista. That is a job that I have. Make sense? Wives, that you have a job to be the wife for your husband. Dads, you have a job to be the dad for your kids. You can't give that job to somebody else. You can't. Oh, they can have father-like figures in their life. They can have mentors in their life. They can have coaches in their life. They can have other, other people who come alongside. But it is your job to be dad. And, and I say this for this reason. Because sometimes we'll be like stressed out and I'm like, I just want to throw the talent on my marriage. I just want to throw the talent on my kids. No, it is your job. And you can't throw the talent on that. And you might say, I know, but I'm stressed because of it. Well, we got to deal with the stress. And one way to deal with the stress is just to recognize it's my job. And then there's other jobs you have as well. Like, I, don't, I, w- I want you to, like, so far I just hit the general jobs. But you also have a specific calling from the Lord. And everybody's going to be a little different that way. Like, I- I'm called to be the lead pastor here at The Rock. That's not a job I can delegate to somebody else. There's a lot of jobs inside of my job I can delegate or I can empower. But my job of making sure that we can communicate vision, values, and truth from, from all of our platforms, that's a job I have that I cannot give away. It's a calling. And I'll tell you right now, sometimes there's stress in it. You do a good job. Thank you. But, but I want you to hear this. That is a burden that you bear. And I can't wave the flag. Oh, I might have to wipe the sweat off my brow at times. Some of you are called to be a teacher, and that's a stressful job, but it's the calling from the Lord. Some of you are called into the medical world. That's a stressful job, but it's a calling from the Lord. Wherever the Lord has called you, understand there are some things that are just your job, and the way to deal with it is to understand, I'm not going to throw in the towel. I'm not going to throw in the towel. I'm going to do what he's called me to do. But as he's called me to do the thing that I have to do, I'm not going to get busy doing the things I don't have to do. And I think sometimes we get stressed out. I think sometimes we get burnout because rather than doing the things that we've been called to do, we get busy doing something somebody else was called to do, and we add it to our plate. And that's where I have to go to that second point and basically say it this way, that... that I have to do my part, but then I got to let others do their part. That, that God said to Elijah, Elijah, you have a job to do. Do your job. And it's a weight that you're going to carry. I get it. But deal with that weight in a healthy way. And how do we deal with that weight? How do we deal with that stress in a, in a healthy way? Well, we make sure that we're connected physically. 
that we take care of ourselves, that we make sure we're connected spiritually, that we're connected to God, that we make sure we're connected relationally. All things we talked about last week, you can watch all the sermon, but I got to do those things because that'll be, help me to be healthy so that I can do the job that God has called me to do. And then I got to let others do their job. Elijah, there's other people who have not bowed a knee to me. There's another prophet that I want you to anoint. There's other kings. They have a job to do. So let them do their job. Don't think that you're all alone. Don't think that you have to carry and you have to figure it all out. No, you do your job. You do your part and let others do their part. Jethro said it to Moses this way. He said, but select from all the people some capable, honest men who fear God and hate bribes. Appoint them as leaders over groups of 1,000 150 and 10. That he's basically saying, listen, get some other people in your life and let them do what they can do. And I think this is a way to manage some stress in our life. If I can just get real with you for a second. I think sometimes we get stress in our life because we won't allow other people to do what they've been called to do. And we go, well, let me get into your world for a second. Let me jump in and let me do that for you. And you start stressing about something that their job has called them to do. But you're like, well, I, I got I to gotta help them. Well, there is a thing about unity and helping one another. I get that. That's a different sermon. What I'm talking about is rather than them even doing it, you're just like, let me just take that for you. And that will bring about a lot of stress. Or another thing that will bring about stress is when you see somebody doing what they've been called to do, but they're not doing it to the way you want it being done. And if you're a supervisor, you got to deal with that. I get that. But most of the times in life, you can go, well, that's the way they want to do it. That's not how I'm going to do it. So I'm not going to stress over how they're parenting. I'm not going to stress over how they're doing that. I'm going to let them do what they do. Because I can't do their job. Let's get real practical in this. I can't make their decisions. Kids, you can't make your parents' decisions. And for some of you, you really struggle with that. Some of you are young and your parents are thinking about divorce and you're struggling because you're like, I need to help them make the right decision. They're going to make their decisions. Some of you are older and your parents are older and you're having to now make some decisions for them because they can't make some decisions on their own. I get that. But let's dial back those years a little bit and maybe they're starting to do some things. You're like, man, what's my mom and dad thinking? You can't make decisions for them. Parents, you can't make decisions for your, your adult kids. And when I say adult kids, I'm talking probably 17 years old and up, right? Like if they're in middle school, you can make some decisions for them. They in elementary school, oh, you make a lot of decisions for them. But they, they, they in upper high school, they, they college especially and on, you can give them wisdom. You can cut them off. You can quit helping them. By, by, by financially, you know what I'm saying? But you can't make somebody's decision for them. Here's another one that we get stressed out about. I can't live somebody else's sobriety. I can't fix somebody else's consequence because of their addiction. That you can lead them, you can help them, you can encourage them, but you can't enable them. And when you... When you stress over what they did and you fix all of their consequences, all I really did 
was stress myself out and gave them the easy road out. Like, here's what I'm trying to say is there's things that we stress about because we think, well, I can do somebody else's job or I can make somebody else's decisions or I can live somebody else's sobriety. And what we have to do is go back to the scripture here and think about Elijah and think, first and foremost, you have a job. Do your job. Do your part. Let them do their part. Pray that they'll do it. Give wisdom. Give biblical truth. But pray that they will do it, and they have to do theirs. And then trust God to do his. See, Elijah had forgot that. When Elijah was on the mountain the first time and he was in the battle with all the prophets, he was like, God, I'm going to trust you to be God. I'm going to trust that you can and that you will and that you're going to ignite this, this offering on fire. God, if you'll answer my prayers, prove that you are God. God hit it, lit, uh, the fire lit up, the, the, the bull was sacrificed, all of it. And again, I think Elijah's off in the side going, whoa, right? He trusted that God would do his part. But then just a few days later, he forgot God. He forgot to trust God to do his part. When you're on the mountain or when you're in the valley, remember the promises of God. Kevin, who was up here earlier during our host moment, uh, he, he's one of our executive pastors and teaching pastors. And, and uh he, one day in staff, he said, guys, I, I just want you, when we're beginning this series, he said, I want you to just remember the promises of God. And he had all of us just kind of writing down the promises of God. And, and, and this is what I wrote in my journal. And the promises of God that just came to life for me. Jesus said, you are my friends. It's a promise to Remember. Jeremiah says, I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you. In scripture, it says, the Lord is trustworthy in all of his promises. In Psalm 23, as we sang earlier, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. The David said this, take courage and be a man. That in Romans it says nothing can separate us from the love of Christ that is in Christ Jesus. From the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. In Joshua it says never will I leave you or never will I forsake you. That Jesus said be healed. That Jesus said I am able to save. That in Romans it says that God works the good, works to the good all things for those who are called and live according to his purpose. Jesus said, greater am I who is in you than he who is in the world. These are promises of God that we need to hold on to because there's going to be days where we feel like throwing in the towel. And on those days where we feel like throwing in the towel, we need to remember, no, what I need to do in this moment is I first need to wave the towel at God and say, I surrender. I'm not surrendering to my fear of, of what's happening. I'm not surrendering to my stress. I'm not surrendering to, 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 to those other things. I'm surrendering to God, though. And I say, Jesus, I surrender. I, I, I wave the white flag. I want to surrender to you right now, God, and say, may your will be done in my life. 
Jesus, I want to surrender to you right now. And, and there's this difficult thing, this stressful thing in my marriage. But Jesus, I surrender to you. And Jesus, there's this stressful thing in my finances, but I surrender to you. Jesus is a stressful thing at school, but I surrender to you. That I do need to wave the white flag, but I don't need to wave it at the things of this world that bring me fear. I need to wave it at God and say, God, I'm going to trust you to do your part. Because all through scripture, you have done your part. And then once you've surrendered it to God, well, then it's time not to flee, but to fight. That's when it's time to say, all right, God, now I know now we're going, and I'm going to fight this battle that is in front of me because I know that you're going to do your part, and I'm going to do my part. And as long as I'm going to do my part, I'm going to pray that they do their part, and I'm going to trust you to do your part, I'm going to be able to fight against burnout, and I'm going to learn how to deal with the stress that grips me at times. So I want us to do that right now. And maybe for you, for you, it's recognizing that maybe you had had a day where you wanted to throw in the towel, but you're like, nope, I'm just going to start waving it at God right now. I'm going to sing, and I'm going to surrender, and I'm going to give it to Jesus. And I'm going to encourage you as we as we worship, as we respond to do that. And if you need to pray about surrendering your life, about surrendering to God, then we have prayer counselors right here in our front corner. Jackie and Darren are standing right there. Myself and some others will be standing in this connect corner. We'd love to pray with you tonight. For others of us, what you need to do is you need to make a decision. I've surrendered that to God. Now I'm gonna do my part and I'm gonna fight. I'm gonna run with God and I'm gonna do what he calls me to do. And I'm not going to give up that responsibility. I'm not going to delegate that responsibility that he has solely called me to do. So why don't you do me a favor? Let's stand up. We're going to go into this time of response. And let's spend some time worshiping, acknowledging, celebrating, making room for him. Like I said, if tonight, if you need to wave the flag of surrender, wave the flag of surrender. If you need to wave the, the flag, the towel of the rally, then rally around God. Pray with me. Jesus, we come before you, thanking you that your word teaches us how to handle stress. That your word teaches us how to keep from throwing in the towel. And I pray tonight that we will not throw in the towel but we will do our part trusting you to do your part. In your name, amen. Let's respond.